Craft Beer Radio, episode 143 on July 31st, 2009. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where I say something vaguely amusing and you half-heartedly chuckle. I'm Greg Weiss. <laughs> I'm Jeff Fair. And we have a special guest. We have a special guest with us tonight. I'm so excited I can't even talk. <laughs> Rick Sizemore. Rick is a uh, longtime listener and friend from uh, near Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Live uh, Newport, Kentucky. Right. Yeah, just uh, south of the river. I met Rick with the HBC. Um, yeah, the uh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the first time we meet you. Yeah. And um, we went to uh, the Hofbrau House, and then he took me to the Party Source. And yeah. uh, bought a lot of beer at the party source. Yeah, the uh, the party source has a lot of a lot. Yeah, it's a nice place. It was kind of like, kind of like the Save on Beer beer distributor, but not packaged in full cases. Okay, so yeah, if you want to buy a beer, you can actually say, "I would like one beer, please." Mm-hmm. And absinthe, and you know, things like yeah, that. There's that, yes. and lots of Kentucky bourbon. Oh yeah. So so, what's it like living in uh, a state of bourbon? Um, as not a bourbon fan, it, it's actually okay. okay. I don't have to be bothered with it, so I, you, I'm a Scotch guy, actually. You you were saying that I found this fascinating that Kentucky doesn't have tax on bourbon. Yeah, they or they, extra extra like the syntax. Right, isn't the, the syntax is they have a there's multiple levels of taxes, and they actually tax it differently than the way they tax beer, wine, or other spirits. Um, and you can also ship bourbon within the state of Kentucky, but you can't ship any other alcoholic beverage. So, you know, if you want to get wine from any of the California wineries that, you know, uh, send wine in the mail, you can do that in almost every state except Ohio or uh, Kentucky. And um, so we actually get it shipped to uh, my mother's house in Ohio and, uh, and brought down. But I can get bourbon shipped from, you know, anywhere in Kentucky. Of course. Interesting. I just via thought- the U.S. Postal Service, which actually doesn't check your ID like you know FedEx or UPS does, <laughs> uh-huh. so you know if you happen to have fifty or sixty dollars, you can get yourself you know a fine bourbon delivered to your house. Remember to oh. pour for three this time. Yes, I so will. we are drink. The, the theme of tonight's show is essentially since Rick is here, it's beers we want to drink. Yeah, the the, the beers we've been saving for a special occasion, and, and uh, some of them we've had before on the show. Uh, but we want to drink them again, so we're gonna. But we haven't had this beer yet. But uh, we have heard good things. Um, well, Julie, I've had this beer. You've had Denver, this beer. Uh, Julie Hurt from uh, from Brewing Association went nuts about this beer on one of our shows. This is from Maui Brewing Company in Hawaii. This is the Coconut Porter. Maui Brewing Company is uh, run by uh, Garrett Marrero in uh, Maui, Hawaii. And he, I don't know if it's the slogan of the brewery, but his slogan is uh, fiercely local. Mm. So all his beers are made on the island, and he sources as many local ingredients as he can. Now, granted, on Hawaii, you don't get very many local, very much local barley or hops. But um, coconuts, I imagine. Coconuts. He does a pineapple wheat beer with Maui Gold Pineapple. You know, he really tries to use the local flair on his beer. Interesting. So well, this a, beer, I'm sorry? The other the other local there is Kona Brewing, and they actually have uh, offloaded some of their brewing back to the mainland. It's brewed in Portland. Uh, yeah, Wibber Brothers do it, I think. Yeah. So this beer has a slogan. Uh, the slogan is, like, hot chicks on the beach. 
I don't know what that really means, but there it is for you. It it's is fun 5. to look at. Point seven. <laughs> well, that's a good slogan for anything. It's even more fun. It's more fun to take home. <laughs> Although it wouldn't be very much fun to uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> alcohol by volume is five point seven percent. IBUs are thirty. And uh, Cascades and Tetanger hops are what it's hopped with. All right, so beer pours black like you'd expect, really black. Not many highlights we're seeing through this beer. has a uh, thin, thin uh, velvety head on it. You can really smell the coconut. I have one thing I've been getting into because there's a, a organic grocery that opened up right next to where... I work, and so occasionally I go there, and they have young coconuts there. I love young coconuts. They are hell on your knife to open because you have to kind of whack, 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 whack them, but the inside juice is so tasty. I'm not a coconut fan. I don't really like dry coconut, but that stuff inside the young coconut is great, and it smells a lot like this. So, we, you know, we've been saving this beer for a while. A listener sent this in, and I didn't write it on the can who sent it in. Crap. I wonder if they toasted the coconuts before they put it in. That's a good question. And um, if you go back to... It says hand-toasted coconuts, so uh, absolutely. There, there's the answer. You don't even have to go back to the uh, Six varieties Craft Beer of Radio where I interviewed them. Hmm. The, the, the coconut gives it this... Oh. How do I put that? It's um. There's an undercutting sweetness that mm-hmm. comes from the coconut. It, it takes the um, astringency and the acridness out of the porter, and it's really smooth. It's porter. still there. Uh, to me, the, the the astringency is still there in in uh, the the back, especially the 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 roof of my mouth, uh, and kind of in the middle of my tongue. But definitely, the sweetness cuts a lot of it. It's got a pretty thick mouth feel. It's not entirely unlike a Mounds bar. You know, the coconut, coconut chocolate candy. Yeah, I mean, if you, there's... Uh, yeah, if you, if you uh, pureed it up and, you know, kind of added a shot of vodka on it. Yeah, there's some bitterness to it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, not, I'm not saying that it tastes just like a Mounds bar, but what I'm saying is there's, there's a lot of similar flavors amongst the two. Yeah, there's uh, chocolate, obviously, uh, coming from a porter. You expect to get some sort of chocolatiness. Uh, there's... Maybe, um, oh, definitely hints of coffee at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I really get a lot on the exhale, the coconut, and not, you know, long term, but uh, as soon as you take a sip up and breathe out, it's like you just had a little bit of coconut from inside of a mounds bar. I mean, that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's essentially an alcoholic candy bar that's a little bit bitter. Yeah, so that should be good. It is. And good. it's in liquid form. <laughs> It's good. I like it. This is an old can, but it, I'm not noticing too much age on it. Maybe some of the astringency is a little more potent. But it says here this can was canned in April 08. So oh. it's a year and a um, year and a couple months. Couple months. But it's been in the fridge the whole time, so it has The whole time we've had it. And yeah. um, I don't and think I've had don't, it. I mean, cans do not oxidize very easily. It is the proper container for beer. Yeah. That's that's a very good point. There's less oxygen. There's no oxygen infiltration through the, cr- the 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 crimp on the can lid, unlike bottle caps. So, good point. I I still think Garrett would probably cringe if he heard we were drinking a beer that was um, was 15 months old. Mm-hmm. 
but it still tastes pretty good for that. Well, it's not overly hoppy, so you know you're not going to mm-hmm. get any of that kind of uh, loss. I don't think. Of course, I haven't actually had the beer fresh, so I can't right. really compare. Interesting. It says on on the on the can it says live beer keep cold, but there is no sediment at the bottom, and we've already talked about oh. can conditioning is kind of a hard thing to do. Live beers unpasteurized, right? So I mean, it, a live beer could be lightly filtered. You know, and not pasteurized to keep some yeast in there, and you might not see it on the bottom of the can, or it could be unfiltered. We just don't know. I mean, if you let it all flock out, right, like a home brewer would, and you you bottle it, there's not going to be much yeast in there. Mm. So it's still live beer, though. That was good. We should go on to something else. Let's go on to the one that I am really freaking excited about. All right, I picked this up when I was down in Virginia Beach at the uh, Grape and Gourmet. And um, Hitachino XH matured in sake casks. Uh, Hitachino is uh, from the Kyuchi Brewery in Ibar. Let me see if I can pronounce this right. Whoa! Oh my goodness! It's a gusher! Whoa! Holy moly! Ibaraki Ken Nagagun. Japan, and it is an American strong ale. Well, this is uh, aged in Nihonshu casks. Nihonshu is the word for sake. In fact, uh, in Japan, sake means alcohol. Uh, and so Nihonshu is the drink that they call sake, which is a rice beer. And this is malted with pale Munich crystal and chocolate malts, hopped with Chinook and Strian Goldings. 8% alcohol by volume, 40 IBUs, and uh, original gravity of uh, 1.079. And you said it was an American strong ale or something? You said according was... to, well, that's according to you know, Beer Advocate. Okay, right. So first thing on this aroma, and when I had beer spilled all over my desk, I was smelling this, this sour. Mm-hmm. So you're not seeing anything indicating it's supposed to be sour, are you? I don't see anything. I mean, especially with that malt and hop profile that doesn't sound like a sour beer a 40 ibu sour beer does not sound very yeah it doesn't sound intentional and if it's an american strong ale the color isn't exactly right it looks well the color says copper brown and that kind of fits with it's a cloudy copper brown um almost hints of orange in there nice thin velvety head on it this is available only in japan so how this got into your position i don't know but it's no bilk it's imported by B United International, so hmm. you're looking at uh, old information. Yeah, B United is actually one of my favorite importers. They uh, bring in all the Eureka Stika beers, the old okay. beers, the excellent. Oh, okay. How do you say that? Uh, I think it's Eureka Stika, but okay. My German is like my any other foreign language besides English. I've never really tried to pronounce that beer out loud, but it looks like Urge, you know, and. <laughs> It's um, it's pretty good. It's actually one of my favorite German beer, mm-hmm. the Stika that you can actually, which is a double Stika, the one you get in the U.S. Right. I hate to say it, but whatever this beer had, it lost. I can taste sourness and I taste hoppiness, but I'm not getting it's leathery. Yeah, it's a Brett type thing. It's it's kind of like what the Wild Devil tasted like the day after we 
trashed it on the video show. I, I think because you saw how it exploded. Mm-hmm. Obviously, something something matured in there and something went crazy. Yeah. So this is not uh, the beer that is intended to be, and that's unfortunate. Because I wish I knew how old this bottle was to know how long it's been uh, fermenting in there. You know, I actually don't dislike it. Really? And I don't know why. I wouldn't say it, it's intense dislike. Like, I... I can't drink it, but I'm going to pour it out to save my sobriety. It's not skunky. Um, well, it's a beer that was taken over by Britannomyces. It has that leathery type flavor to yeah. it, a little bit. Um, it's not really a funk or sour. There's a little bit of tart there, but it's not like... It's not bad, but it doesn't meet the expectation you had going in. Mm-hmm. It's actually, if they called it something, if, if we had another beer that was this beer... You know, in the glass, and someone said it, it's a slightly sour ale. You could drink it and say, "Oh, okay, I get that." Yeah, and, so, you know, it still wouldn't be a yeah, it wouldn't be a top great. dollar, but it would be yeah, you, you'd be able to accept it, I guess. But for me, uh, it just it doesn't quite work. It's like okay. a um, bucket. It's like a homebrew sour ale that yeah. uh, you know, first kind of first batch sort of thing. Yeah, it, it's not horrible, but. We have other beers. We even have some backup beers that we can drink. So no, no harm, no foul. So here. should we go from sour to sour or sour to hoppy? Let's let's go. Let's stick with the uh, go to the uh, monks. All defenders. right. So this is Monks Cafe. Monks Cafe is in Philadelphia. However, the Flemish sour ale is brewed by Rowery von Steenberg in Belgium. This is essentially what they call a Flanders Old Brune. So it's kind of a mixture between a Flanders Red and Old Brune. Is five point five percent alcohol by volume, and if it lives up to the other times I've had it, it's delicious. I've never been to Monk's Cafe, and that's some, one of those places that you know everybody that's a it's a beer connoisseur that really wants to go have that is supposed to go, but never had an opportunity. And they have there's so many different places there that are pretty good. I mean, it's almost like being in Portland mm-hmm. or San Francisco where. You know, basically cross the street, and every place is a is a even a crappy bar is still has a you know a decent amount of beer selection. Yeah. Now it's interesting if you take if you take a whiff of the aroma here, and you note that it has some some similar leathery small leathery characteristics that the Hitachino had. However, it's also dominated by a whole lot of uh fruitiness and uh if i dare say so acetic acid yes definitely acetic yeah. acid i you know i'm thinking it smells like apple cider vinegar or something like that and uh, i know that exactly smell, i know that smell very well because that's what i'm using to catch those damn flies over there by the bar it smells just like when i opened that bottle today or the acetic part of it this smell smells just like that actually do a reduction and put this over a salad mm-hmm. oh yeah no no question about it this one is more tangy, more zippy than uh, than the last time I've had this. It does taste a lot like vinegar, like a like a vinaigrette dressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mix this with some blue cheese and walnuts. Oh yeah, <laughs> candied walnuts. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, you would be in heaven. I had a Actually, salad. I want to drink it. I want to get a salad now. I had a salad last night at Tyler's Tyler's Taproom in Raleigh, North. It was a pear salad with candied walnuts, good gorgonzola cheese, mm-hmm. and. Um, they had some kind of lemon vinaigrette dressing or whatnot, but this would have been good, good with it for oh, sure. Oh, man, no doubt about it. Yeah, the, the fat and the gorgonzola and, and the tang that comes from that would mix so well. 
and just the walnuts provide just a slight texture mm-hmm. difference with the crunch. Um, the pear slices worked really well with that salad too. Pear might work. I I, I have this I, I have this in my head this combination of walnuts and gorgonzola together with with with, mm-hmm. with, with vinegar. Yeah. It just really works well. Yeah, this beer is not like the other two or three times that I've had Monk's Cafe. You know, their Flanders, their, their Flemish sour ale. Well, I mean, if it's it brewed in the you know traditional kind of Belgian style batch to batch you are going to get quite a bit yeah, of yeah. differentiation this is still enjoyable i'm enjoying it i don't think it's as good as the other times i've had the monks because it's very vinegary but it's still enjoyable it's not like we're drinking straight vinegar yeah there's um the balsamic vinegar kind of flavor is it's not really flavor as much as it is kind of the aroma it hits you as soon as you drink it mm-hmm. it's uh it's really powerful yeah i mean the the balsamic vinegar uh, well, there are two ways of making it, really. There's one way, which is simply you add caramel flavor and color to vinegar. And the other way is you actually uh, you cask-age your vinegar for 10, 20 years. Okay. Uh, and so the real stuff is very expensive and hard to find. But the stuff you get, the balsamic vinegar you get on uh, store shelves in general is essentially... Yeah, so I've actually never probably had good... I certainly haven't. <laughs> It's like uh, you know those people that you know pay fifty dollars a bottle for uh, you know the high quality olive oil. That would not be me. So it's like I got a chance to have Beluga caviar when I was eleven years old. Now I'm not going to like Beluga caviar when I'm eleven years old. So mm-hmm. I had uh, the Kmart version on a Korean Air flight uh, once. So <laughs> <laughs> and lots of kimchi. It's really not good on a flight when uh, the first meal you serve an hour into a 13-hour flight is kimchi, and the whole plane stinks like kimchi Ooh. for the whole rest of the time. <laughs> I can think of worse things. I had a person in front of me while I was on a plane change their baby. Oh, great. In the seat in front of me. Well, on the post-show, <laughs> I can talk about other odd things. Yeah, let's not go too far <laughs> off topic with the uh, baby changings. You know they have spe- they have things in the bathrooms on planes now where you can change your baby, and they had them while- during that mm-hmm. time. They should have introduced them. You know, I- I'm thinking of <laughs> sour beers, and I'm really thinking like uh, Rodenbach Grand Cru, right? And you know, when I compare, you know, you've got the Cantillons and all that, but uh, I kind of think about that. You know, the Rodenbach is sort of you know, if you're going to talk to most folks about you know. A general red sour beer from right. uh, Belgium. It's Renbach Grand Cru, right? And I think I may like this better, even though it's a little vinegary. Uh, I don't know. It's pretty good in terms of the most vinegary beer I've ever had. It's it's I, I had Kentian uh, Guzen in um, Japan. That was basically like you were drinking vinegar with a little bit of malt added to it. Okay. It was still delicious because that was really what I was in the mood for. I was kind of in the mood for a big old shot of vinegar, essentially. But it was vinegary. Right. Uh, this definitely, yeah, it, it pales in comparison to something like um, uh, that in terms of vinegary taste. But also, it's much more vinegary than Rodenbach or right. uh, Petrus. Well, or I've never like really got acetic as a major component in a lot of Flanders-style beers. It's more of a lactic, mm-hmm. you know, different, different kind of tartness to it. So the acetic's just brand new in this beer to me, and um, 
I'm having a hard time comparing it to another beer that actually has that strong acetic vinegar type flavor. There is a fair amount of malt. I am noticing that it, it finishes has, has nice sweetness to it, and it balances out the acidity somewhat. Um, this really isn't a sipping or session beer. I mean, regardless of the alcohol content, this is something you must have food with because I mean, it, it doesn't. It just doesn't stand well all by itself. Yeah, something you yeah. need something to cut it. You absolutely need something to cut it. I agree with you. Um, but it would go great with almost any anything fatty. Anything fatty yeah. would go really well with this. Hamburger, cheese, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, some smoked salmon. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I, I had this vague idea in my mind, and I'm thinking like. I couldn't put words to it, but when you said smoked salmon, yeah, it's the skin of the salmon yeah. and, and that. And that oh, would, just butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a pat of butter with this. That would be perfect. Or Crisco, you know, just have a spoonful. <laughs> All right, so our next beer is... Uh, One that just came from Cincinnati. Yes, brought in by Rick. And this is... We've had this before, and the one time we had it... We went a little nuts for it, as I remember. So yeah, it's the it's the uh, angry cat with the cigarette on the label there. Three Floyd's Gumball Head, which is a American pale wheat ale, but it's one hoppy monster of a wheat ale, if we remember, if our memories serve. Yeah, it is. It's um, I think it's just as hoppy as uh, their APAs, and it's. It's actually turned into my favorite beer. You just brewed a uh, uh, beer that was inspired by this, didn't you? Yeah, I tried to uh, uh, to, to brew a clone of this, and uh, unfortunately, the last 15 minutes were interrupted by a deluge of a rainstorm, so we're not exactly sure what's going to come out of it, but <laughs> um, it's a very hoppy wheat beer that may turn sour, so we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll get some of that uh, vinegar stuff we've got in the, the monk's beer in that, too. It'll be very head, complex. Doublehead is named after this cartoon character from, I suppose, either comic book slash graphic novel slash whatever it was. Well, there's actually an artist, I guess, that, um, not that I know this, but uh, from actually listening to another podcast uh, based out in Indiana. Um, you can plug the other podcast. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. It <laughs> was the Good Beer Show. Yeah, and, and those guys, uh, I mean, this is one of their favorite beers, and... Um, they are a bunch of hopheads out there, so yeah, this. I mean, the the nose on this is just fantastic. I mean, especially when you know somebody tells you it's a wheat beer, it's like no, it can't possibly be. I mean, you, you can actually smell the wheat if you're looking for it. There's there's a hoppiness there, but you can smell the wheat kind of at the edges. Uh, if you weren't told it was wheat, looking, I don't know if you would notice. Yeah, if you're not looking for it, you're going to smell this this hop. To me, it's coming across as a more European continental type hop. It's a, it's it's um. Grassy, earthy, spicy mm-hmm. type thing. But, but I really not, think that's more the wheat that's contributing. It to could that. be because I think they use mostly American hops in this one. Yeah, it's. Uh, I believe it's Amarillo. Is I think this is only hopped with Amarillo. Yeah, see, this smells like. Um, um, dang, I have something on the tip of my tongue. Now at four point eight percent alcohol by volume, so this is. Oh, you know uh, what this smells like? This smells like a lot of Hallertau. Think, remember the Sam Adams Imperial Pilsner? No. Remember how that smelled? No. no? This I don't have very as much of memory for, for smells as you do, but so this is four point alcohol by volume, so this is a little bit more than a standard drink, right? <laughs> uh, going back to Australia, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but at the same time, this is you know vaguely sessionable. Yeah, I mean, especially when you look at uh, most American be- beers anymore, mm-hmm. uh, craft 
beer industry. I mean, 5% is sort of the basement of those now. I know when I um, when I typically, you know, drink a IPA or double IPA anymore, you know, it, it starts off at about 7% and goes up from there. Yeah. Do you think the monks is playing with your head a little bit and your tongue? No. Because I'm tasting a little bit of sort of the remnants of the monks in this. It won't leave. Yeah. And I think it's hurting my overall perception of the beer because it's not as wow amazing as it was last time. Well, we do have um, Hop Slam in there, so you could you know have one of those, and that would absolutely peel everything <laughs> off your yeah, tongue. That's what we need, 10% of um, you know, a pile of hops. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not detecting that my flavor has been altered by the by the monks. I mean, I'm tasting it, and I, I mean, it's not wowing me like last time. Um, was I more, maybe in more a mood for something you know exceedingly hoppy last time? Maybe I don't know. It's it's not that, but see, it's not striking me as exceedingly hoppy. Uh, it's striking me as just a, a tad. Bitter with additions of of hoppiness, but it's not like it's not super hoppy to me. Mm-hmm. And the wheat part is kind of thinning out the beer more than I remember it. Yeah. It's it's a little bitter. Uh, to you know, take a big mouthful and sort of the perimeter of your tongue, you get a nice uh, hot bitterness. But to be honest, it doesn't taste as rich as I remember it from uh, yesterday. Oh, so do you think yeah, the monks I, I is think, messing up? Yeah, I think uh, maybe that is actually impacting it. Because I still, in the back of my tongue right now, I can still taste vinegar. Okay. Then I, I'll i follow you guys and say then, we can't taste this right now. Yeah, it's unfortunate because this is a beer that, uh, if you haven't just had monks, a very vinegary monks right beforehand, it probably would be better on your palate yeah. than it is hitting us. In hindsight, that probably wasn't the best decision. Well, it went from sour beer to sour beer. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually and keep going back to the uh, the Japanese beer. And, you know, I actually think I may have liked its sour offness better than the, uh, the, monks? Than the monks. Yeah, I mean, the, the Japanese beer was traditional bread, like a bread yeah. beer. You know, it might have picked it up from the casks and in the bottle just went nuts and, and, and started fermenting away with it. Um, the Acetobacter bacteria that was in the, the monks which I don't think standard for monks, you know, the Flavish Sour Ale. That one knows vinegar. So you got definitely two different organisms making it funky. And probably not intentionally. Yeah. I don't think the monks is intentional. You mentioned, you know, it could be different batch to batch, and I agree with that, but I don't think Tom Peters would be happy if he tasted that monks. I just, I just burped up, and um, usually when, you know, you have something like Gumball Head, um, and, and even some IPAs earlier today, uh, you know, you burp it up and you get all these hops. I'm getting vinegar, pure. Mm-hmm. So you want to uh, reach into the magic basket and see magic what else basket? we can find? Sounds good to me. All right, so you said you had a hoppy one that should totally blow our palates away. Well, uh, if you've had Bell's Hop Slam before, um, it is one of the hoppiest beers around. Me. Go for it. Have you had it? I think I have. Well, why don't we try the Fantabulous Resplendence 11, which is um, 
the anniversary beer from Three Floyds. It's a double IPA as well. Um, I think also somewhere in the you know eight, nine, ten percent alcohol range. Of course, twist my arm. Probably around a hundred yeah. IBUs. Fantabulous so. resplendence. That sounds like something that Stone would come up with, but maybe not arrogant enough for Stone. It goes with their sublimely self-righteous ale. Only seven percent, not huge. Probably be more efficient for us each to warm up our own glass, I guess. They do have nice thin glasses. You can put a microwave. That's true. <laughs> Microwaves answer everything. Nukin. They actually put a beer in a microwave. I wonder what happens. I wouldn't actually ruin. I imagine it gets warmer. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> it is the water molecules that uh, you know drive it, so it should work pretty well. There you go, sir. Salute. So the Fantabulous Resplendence looks like it's a big party. The label is a big party with every Three Floyds character. I recognize the Behemoth Barley Wine Lady, Alpha King's in there, the big gorilla guy. Who's the gorilla? What's the gorilla one? Big Purple Gorilla. Oh, uh, Alpha Kong. Alpha Kong. Dark Sun's outside. If you're going to name your beer Fantabulous Resplendence, there better be a party <laughs> on the cover. Yeah, yeah there's a... Uh-oh. The gumball head is the main course. He's being served on the platter. <laughs> <laughs> they eat gumball head. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this just came out of the uh, iced th- cooler, so it's actually kind of cool. I thought it was going to be kind of a, uh, a take on the Last Supper painting, but it's not really. Uh, not so much. I was trying to see if Dark Lord was in there anywhere, but I haven't picked him out yet. That's a really cool label, though. I'd like to have a big full-size poster of this label. Well, the last time I was at the brewery, they actually had a lot of artwork from those on the wall. You probably can't uh, buy it from there, but mm-hmm. the artist, I think, is local to Indiana somewhere. Yeah, Having all the uh, freaking characters in that, that'd be an awesome poster. We should hire the guy to do a mural in here. Greg, what do you think? If you want to, go ahead. It's your, your room. <laughs> it's, see what I care. It's very cold. Where's that microwave? <laughs> We're all frantically cupping our... The beer warmer upper machine. Yeah, the, yes, one thing the beer. It, we're cupping the beer. One thing that. <laughs> thanks for the clarification. One thing that uh, you know, that that the reason why we're we're cupping it is because there's really not a lot of aroma coming off this beer mug no. at all, uh, and generally that's a f- uh, a function of being cold. Yeah, it was sitting in a bucket of ice, and we hadn't planned on doing this beer. Still a rather soft uh, aroma. However, honey aroma, maybe a little bit of a little bit of, of almost a, a mineral water aroma. Yeah, I get the honey, and it um, it doesn't smell like the kind of honey that you know you get out of the honeybee. It yeah, it's smells not like the uh, you know the high quality like you know you get from the the, the neighborhood store. And the more it warms up, the more honey character I get out of it. I, it's not hoppy from the... Give it a taste, and I have two words for you. Too bitter. Just a bit too bitter, but a little bit too bitter. Oh. It would be better if the bitterness was dialed down slightly, because I think the bitterness kind of sticks out some. It, it, it's, a, it's a relatively mild beer. Uh, and you know it's got some interesting, really interesting flavors on it. But then there's that bitterness that builds up in the back, and it, it's just it. 
it's not an overwhelming bitterness. It's not a huge bitterness, but if it weren't as bitter, yeah, it's like it was. Um, it was much more hopped early in the boil as opposed to late, so you get less aromatics. And also, Fantabulous Resplendence is their anniversary beer, and I believe the version last year was actually slightly different. Hmm. I, I I don't get it too bitter. Um, I mean, I would put this, you know, I think this would do better as sort of, it's kind of, to me, a, a, a jacked-up amber uh, with, with okay, I wouldn't call this an IPA. I would call this essentially a jacked-up amber, you know, an imperial amber or something along those lines. But it's just, it just needs to dial down. I think it, if they dialed down the bitterness by five, six IBUs, I think it would be just, it would almost be perfect. Uh, I... I don't. I disagree. I don't think it's too bitter. I, I don't think that it's absolutely not a double IPA. Well, it's now too it's, bitter to be perfect. That's my point. It's not. I'm not saying I dislike it. I just think that man, you come so close to perfection. You, know, you come so close to, to, to really to, to true balance. Yeah. And I think they hit it a little too strong on the bitter side. Well, you know, it it, it tastes like if they would have taken the same hot bill and moved everything back ten minutes, where you would have less. Bitterness, but a little bit more aromatics. And maybe about, I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, Three Floyds doesn't make a bad beer. So, yeah. You know, it, it, we're saying, oh, this is a great beer. But, you know, to make it a perfect beer. I'm not hitting it that way. I like it how it is. I I enjoy the, the maltiness that's coming through. The, I don't think it's too off balance. It is a slight bitter forward beer. It, you know, it, does, almost, it does remind me of pieces of a barley wine. It reminds me of pieces of a double IPA. But it's not... It's like the mild versions of those pieces uh, put together. They have um, Blackheart, which is a, was an is an English IPA, and you know this tastes like almost that it's using the same yeast as the Blackheart. The it's a little bit more, it's a little bit less clean than you'd get. Um, I don't think that's the case, but I think it tastes like it's a little bit less clean than. Uh, um, you typically get in a you know kind of American IPA sort of. It it also comes across as a really 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 old double IPA. This has some of those same characteristics to it. The way the there's bitterness there, the hops are like almost non-existent, and there's just this multi bitterness. Actually, I mean, I pulled this directly off the shelf. Mm-hmm. I mean, two days ago from um, well from the the beer store, uh, the Poor House in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, and. Uh, and I believe it is 11. It doesn't actually say which year it is. Mm-hmm. but oh, Actually, it does right here at the top. It says 11. Yeah, so 11 is the current release. So I think, uh, it, tastes, I, I think it tastes fine. I think it's, really, it's a good beer. It just it, it could have been. You know, I taste it and I think about, it man, been what, what could have been. It could have been what? Just another double IPA? No, it could have been almost perfect. You know, and that's the thing. I've you know kind of got spoiled because I get uh, all three Floyd's beers, and they are some of my favorites. And everyone kind of knocks you over the head a little bit with hops, uh, hop aroma. You know, they they really do a, a lot of uh, late additions, and you get that a lot. And this one seems maybe more kind of a, a well-rounded uh, IPA if you know kind of didn't know about. You know, all of the West Coast kind of hobby beers. So this one, you know, is, is sort of like what a, an IPA would be if you didn't know 
that you could you know stuff the crap of the cascade at the end. I would guess Nick Floyd would if was if he's listening right now is kind of cringing. They were trying so hard to pigeonhole this into a style. I'm not trying to pigeonhole oh. it into a style. I'm trying to pigeonhole it into being well, a, a not, perfect not so balance. Much, not, okay, and so to me, the balance you're not, is off. A bit. You're not pigeonholing it. I've been trying to. I've been trying to describe it relative to styles. So I've been trying to pigeonhole it, kind of. Uh, yeah. So you're it, the one making people cringe. Stop it. And. I don't want to speak for Rick, but you know we've been talking about styles a lot, and I've been—I'm yeah. trying to help describe this beer to people by describing how it is different from these styles. And I'm get—I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Floyd's saying, "Sons of a bitches, it's not to style; it's just our anniversary beer." Stop talking about why it's not to style. Yeah, or, that, that's true, and and you know it's just—it's one of those things where you know when you look at three Floyd's beers, you just think, "Oh, it's going to be hoppy, it's going to be hoppy, it's going to be hoppy," and then this one's just good. It's a really good beer. I mean, I'd, is there anything wrong with that? I wouldn't call it fantabulous, but uh, <laughs> but no, I, I have no real complaints. I mean, I, and I also don't see that perfect pedestal that Greg wishes that thinks it's, it's almost there. I'm not seeing what this beer is missing, really. The, I like because because I I can really appreciate the fact that it's a milder beer, and I can appreciate the fact that you know they're not trying to slam me over the head with something. Uh, and to me, it's like you know, wow! You, you make a mild beer, and you make something that has a lot of you know, has a lot of flavor, and has some really you know excellent attributes to it. And you get so close to what to me is 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 a perfect balance. And to me, you just you miss it by by throwing in a little bit too much bitterness. And it's just it, it's like a missed opportunity. It's like an A A minus, you know, or or or, uh, or an A, but it could have been an A plus if they just kind of nailed down that bitterness a bit. Uh, the more I have of it. Um, it's actually getting sweeter, I think. <laughs> All I know is I would like more, please. So we're not going to come to any kind of consensus on this beer, obviously. Uh, oh, and that's good, though. I mean, it's, it's a, very it's complex. A, it's a very it's good beer, but I think it's time to rank. A ranking Snyder. You know, we've had two 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 beers that were, well, I mean. We've had four beers. One beer was ruined. We've had four beers. Right. Uh, and none of the uh, well, I'll I'll start. Okay, go for it, Maui. Absolutely, Maui wins number one. I love that coconut. I love the porter. I thought it was really delicious. Uh, any complaints I had about it were exceedingly minor. Um, and similarly, even though you know we made a big deal about them, the, my complaints about the three Floyds. We're exceedingly minor complaints. I would put the uh, the eleventh anniversary second. Then I would have to go with the Monk's Cafe just because sour sour wins. Yeah, sour wins sure. in, in my book. And the Gumball Head, I think it was affected by the sourness. I think otherwise we might have ranked it higher because it, it's a it's a sad day when Gumball Head ranks last in a rankings list. Well, you still got the the Cucci beer. Well, the Cucci, I, I'm not ranking that because that was ruined. I wouldn't. I would argue that the the monks was spoiled in the same kind of way. It, it may be, but the monks was still very, very delicious. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, for me, first two are identical. Um, the Maui coconut porter. It's really good. Really good. I wish I could get my hands on a lot of those cans. Um, number two, I'm going to put 
the the fantabulous resplendence with a suggestion that they rename it to pretty good. <laughs> um, I don't think it's going to sell as well. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm going to put the gumball head number three. Um, I didn't have time to say about it. It was a good drinker. It didn't wow me like last time. I'm really not in a state of mind where hoppy beers are wowing me these days. It just I went as back back into it a little bit earlier, but actually the the the, the hoppy beer that wows me right now is uh, Sierra Nevada's Torpedo. Yeah, it's it's, it's 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 everywhere, which is great, and man, it's a hell of an IPA, and it's relatively cheap. Yeah, that too. The um, as far as the two funkified beers, we got the Monks, which had got acetobacter in it and got vinegarized. And the the Kiyuchi. Oh, that's a tough call. I, mean, I guess I put the monks slightly ahead because it would go so good with a, a vinaigrette type salad. Oh yeah, just pour it right on top of your salad, mm-hmm. you know, instead of drinking it straight. The the Kiyuchi, like uh, Rick said earlier, you know, it had some positive qualities. The Brett that spoiled the beer did a pretty good job for Brett. It was better than the hot wild devil that we did in the video show recently. Yeah, no, that's true. And it was good leathery. It was well done for Brett. Too it bad was it, was still, intentionally... it was still not what was intentional. Yeah, it was like it's it was, unintentional. It was a slightly happy accident. Yeah, you know. Oh, we ruined our beer. Oh, it's not too bad. I mean, if if you were a, a small um, brew pub, you would actually throw a different label on it and start selling it. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. which happens quite a bit actually. Yeah, yeah. what do you think Rick um, I, I think that uh, the Maui Porter probably is uh, the best beer um, mainly I'm not a huge Porter fan and I really liked it um, the coconut just balanced the, the kind of the things that I don't like about a Porter um, very well um, after that I think Fantabulous Resplendence is probably a close second. Um, I think Gumball Head is third. But if I, you know, sitting outside in the patio and it was 85 degrees and humid out, mm-hmm. I would drink it 10 times out of 10 over almost anything else, especially here. Um, just because, I mean, it, it's sort of a memory thing, but it, it's also probably my favorite beer of the moment. Um, it's sunny, it's hot, go mow the grass, and it's the perfect thing to have after it. I think the Kayuchi is actually probably next, and unfortunately, you know, Monk's last, but it would definitely be the one that I would probably braise something in, or even sip with, you know, some kind of nice fatty food, you know. Yeah, if you try it again, you'll probably find something that's a lot closer to the Rodenbach. It's it's not a red, it's a brown, but you'll you'll get something that's generally a lot closer to the Rodenbach that you, than, than what we had tonight. Yeah, there's... Um, you know, in Cincinnati, you can go to uh, the Dilly Deli, and they have, while not you know a ton of each kind of beer, but they have you know six or eight different uh, Cantillon and a bunch of different Belgian sour uh, beers. And you know, you go in there, and you can actually get quite a bit of of the sour beers, and they have a ton of uh, of sour browns. And you know, I think you know if you compare those to uh, to this one. I haven't had one that that's quite as bad. Right, right. I've been to the Dilly Dilly, and it's it's a nice place. It's a really cool place. And uh, yeah, Peanut is the beer buyer there, and uh, he does a great job. 
Wait, was the Dilly Dilly? Is that the one with the wine shop in front? Yep. Okay. That's what I thought. Then I was like, well, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I was confused. But yeah, it's uh, it's a little deli that you know the, the food is actually you know not like what you would find in a deli, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they've got cask beers and uh, you know you not a you know not like fifty or sixty different draft beers, but usually six or eight that are carefully selected and they rotate very fast. Um, you know it keeps getting rated in you know top ten or twelve beer bars in the in the country. And everybody else has, you know, giant uh, truckloads of different, you know, beers on draft, and they don't, but they're very well carefully selected. Right. And they always keep something local, too, which in Cincinnati is actually not that easy to do. Right, absolutely. And I compared to uh, Omegan Rouge, which I've had twice in the past couple weeks, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing beer. That, that's almost as good as a Jolly Pumpkin. Right. Ooh, I don't know. Jolly Pumpkin. That yeah. beer to Mars that I had was... The the best beer I've ever had, but that Amagang Rouge is close. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about La Roja. You no, know, no, the no, 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 Red. no, no. I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the beer to Mars. Okay. Yeah, the the Jolly Pumpkin beers are, um, you know, of all Jolly Pumpkin beers, I think uh, from a you know total brewery perspective, the Three Floyds of Jolly Pumpkin are my favorite. And since the complexity you get out of the Jolly Pumpkin beers are you know, kind of a different order of magnitude. Mm-hmm. They are just so fantastic. I mean, it's amazing. All right. Um, I think we should wrap this up and uh, get on to some post-show action. All right. Hot and steamy action in the post-show. Jeff, you assume way too much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah from the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are bigger.